Welcome to Women With Books. I'm your host, author Lindsay Emery. I'm back for season two. Woohoo! I hope all of you had a relaxing and peaceful holiday season. And I would love to know what you read over the holidays. I put the list of books that I read up on my blog at lindsayemory.com, but I'll put that link down in the show notes. I've been putting uh, a list of the books I've read on my blog for a while now, but um, now I have been recently convinced by uh, friends and colleagues that I need to dip a toe into that place known as Goodreads. Um, I've been told it's not scary. Um, so help me out if you're on Goodreads and you don't think it's scary, um, friend me on Goodreads and, um, help me out with this new experience. Um, I'm Lindsay Emery there, and I'm going to start putting a list of my reads on there. And, um, you you guys know, I'm going to only put awesome books on there, or at least books that I've read. You might disagree with me, but we can talk about it there. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my news on my things that I've read. Um, And before we get started with my interview of the very smart, very awesome Robin Bradford, I have a housekeeping detail, a little story that I'd like to tell. So when I first started this podcast, I decided I was not going to play that review game. You know, when podcasters get on every single time and they say, please leave us a five-star review at iTunes and they are always saying it, Um, I didn't get it. I I didn't care. It wasn't my mission. I started this podcast to bring attention to readers, to diverse and debut authors, and to their books. I didn't start this podcast to hear about how awesome I was doing. Um, You know, I have friends for that. Um, and I, I just, it didn't really seem like a thing I needed to do. Um, I saw that I was reaching you. I, I see the listeners, I get statistics, I see thousands of downloads. So while reviews are nice and I appreciated everyone who's done that so far, it just wasn't something I was going to spend a lot of time talking about. I'd rather spend time talking to my guests and to my friends and about books. Um, until something happened recently and it's I've gone back and forth about whether I should talk about this but I want to be authentic and transparent and honest so I'm going to be brutally honest here um I won't get into specifics but I was turned down by a potential guest because I didn't have enough reviews and I get it this person is very busy and wanted to make sure their time was well spent. However, I'm not gonna lie, I got a little vexed. I went through so many emotions. I was, how dare they? This is arbitrary and capricious and my podcast has so many more listeners and obviously they just don't understand my mission. And when I got to that point, That's what made me stop and take a good, hard look at my attitude. Because I do have a mission, and it is important to me. I want to shine a light on women authors and women's books. And I realized that if I really want to make a difference, there were some games I was going to have to play. Because I don't want a low number of reviews to be the thing that means I can't use my megaphone effectively and tell the world about something really cool or something that needs to be said. So, if you like the podcast, if you want to support what I'm doing here, would you please go and leave a review on wherever you listen? Because it's still not about me. For me, this is this podcast is about reading and books and bringing that joy to the world. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to keep doing season two. I have some amazing things planned. I let something slip in my uh, interview with Robin, um, but I'm getting guests finalized right now and I'm excited. 
I'm excited. There's going to be a lot of fun. Ah, I'm so excited. Um, but Robin Bradford is first up. So let's get to my amazing interview with a really smart, really committed, really interesting librarian. Thank you. There we go. Welcome to Women With Books, Robin Bradford. I'm so happy that you're on today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, I love librarians and um, I'm fascinated with everything you do for every single little girl like me <laughs> that I once was and um, the big girls and the big boys and the little boy. I mean, everybody uh, needs a good librarian in their life. So I'm just going to say it right up front. Thank you very much for all well, that you do. Well, thank you. Somebody did it for me. So I'm just passing it on. That is awesome. Yes. Um, you know, I really... I was thinking about this last night and I'm thinking about how many memories I really do have of being a kid and just looking at the spines of books and libraries and like being fascinated with the colors and the covers and you know the Dewey Decimal System. I maybe maybe I maybe I missed my calling, but you um... did. It's not too late. <laughs> oh my gosh, my husband would freak out uh, because yeah. So anyway, so tell me about how you got into being a librarian. Uh, well, um, like most librarians, I spent an extraordinary amount of time in the library as a kid. Um, and in undergrad, I got a job in the uh, library, the university library there. And I don't think I've worked in any other field since then. Maybe... Um, during a summer break, I, I think I did a fast food stint during a summer break. But other than that, and I did a I did a, a Walden Books stint for a couple months right at the beginning of library school, actually. But other than those two things, I have worked in libraries continuously since 1992. Now, did I see on your Twitter profile that you have lawyer written down? I do. I do. I have a law degree. I graduated in 2008. I've never worked a single day as a lawyer. I clerked um, for a, an administrative law judge at the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and that was mm -hmm. awesome. I was a great time. I learned a lot about employment law and employment discrimination, and that was fantastic, but I've never worked a single paying day. <laughs> as a lawyer. Now, what did law bring to your librarian table or your librarian skills? Oh, it's so interesting because when I was in law school, so I was going to law school at night and working full time during the day. And you could see kind of the crossover, like when you learn something in law school and then applying it to, um, applying it to collection development. So it was, I started in 2004 in law school and you could kind of track the trajectory of librarians doing more with digital resources. And so uh, lots of contract reading and negotiating that helped quite a bit. Um, I had a very long discussion with the vendor about first use rights and audiobooks which mm. came straight out of Ken Cruz's um, copyright class. I was very lucky to have him for copyright law, um, who is pretty much a library copyright scholar. So that was a blessing to have him. Um, also, I was a union rep, so I did lots of labor negotiations um, straight from law school. I had a great law professor who specialized in arbitrations and um, taught a lot taught me a lot about employment discrimination and um, the history of the labor movement and using that in um, employment situations so I learned a lot there so it actually the law and the library have crossed quite a bit for me I can see that. Well, I mean, full disclosure, I'm also a lawyer um, and I graduated in 2001 and we were still taught then to um, you know, how to do all the research in the books, but the Lexis and Westlaw Internet, you know, was certainly coming about. I mean, and 
but looking back now, it's so creaky. I mean, all those systems and the and and the research, you know, like how you would have to do Boolean terms. And oh my stuff. God! Yes. <laughs> but you know, but it really did teach me how to research, and so I do really yes. see a big overlap in the two. If someone you know um, look you know, wants to look for it, the two um, are really both sciences in a way, yes. and it's applying knowledge to practical practical areas and practical concerns so that's really i that's really fascinating i hadn't really started to think about it so you were just talking about it (laughs) yeah there's a lot of crossover and and sometimes i think it's as much crossover as the person makes it because you're in both worlds so you make that crossover happen but Mm -hmm. it could be that there's just a lot of crossover yeah just just people who want to use their brains need to <laughs> use it in different ways. I exactly. So you are currently, what is your job title currently? I don't want to get it wrong. Collection development specialist. I always say librarian, but I think it officially is collection development specialist. Okay. So just tell us what it is that you do. and and. So my primary job is to buy materials for the libraries. And we each have, there's four of us, we each have our own kind of collection development areas that we work in. So mine is adult fiction, and that's in all formats except digital, because we have a person whose collection development area is all the digital materials. So I do everything except digital, um, so that's audiobooks, large print, regular print. Also, I do music CDs and adult fiction DVDs, so feature films, TV shows, things like that. Basically, I have all the fun stuff. You do. And it's my, it's my job to buy it. And also to make sure that it's properly maintained. So when we see a DVD with, you know, 350 circs, we know that it's not the kind of collection we want to give to our patrons. So we, you know, are in charge of taking care of those things and adding new things if needed, um, making space for new so things. So sorry, I don't so want to if, interrupt you, but a circ, is that like how many times it's been circulation. checked out? Circulation, so okay. uh, check out. Okay, so that is and 355 a lot? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tremendous amount. It sounds like a lot, but I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm like it's from a, a librarian's well, that's, perspective. That's good, actually. And, and please do interrupt <laughs> me when I, when I lapse into library, librarian jargon, because that happens quite a bit. <laughs> I want to use that now. I want to say <laughs> that's got some circs on it or something. I don't it's know. got some circs <laughs> on it. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, things, these things are all commercial materials. So if you think about how many hands are touching them and how many times they're being used, they're generally not made to withstand that much use. And they start skipping and they start, you know, disintegrating. And it's just not the kind of collection. When you go to the library, you want things that work. (laughs) You want to go home and feel assured that when you put it into your player, it is going to work. If it doesn't, I go back to the library and ask for my money back. <laughs> <laughs> or if you if it doesn't, you go back, you take it back, and you never go back to the library again. That's true. And well, that's what we want to not have happen. I hadn't thought about that, but because um, I know there's, for books, there are special li- library copies. I think, aren't they more sturdy or they're, they're made for library use? Perhaps? There are some, I don't know like the actual science of if they're more sturdy. I oh. don't buy them. I buy okay. the regular book you would get if you ordered, you know, from Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or, or wherever. Mm, okay. And then you just kind of watch and make sure that it's not falling apart in people's hands. Exactly. Okay. And if it is, and we need, you know, more copies, then we get more copies. Or if you accidentally toss it into the bathtub, no (sighs) library sturdy copy can withstand that. So there's lots of reasons why we would have to replace copies. Yeah. Like when your daughter takes it on a trip and leaves it in a hotel room. That's one reason. (laughs) Exactly. And then... (laughs) 
And then mom has to pay $35 to the library <laughs> for Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> yep. We yep. all learned a very important lesson that vacation. <laughs> it, it was one of those things. And then I, and I, I couldn't. I, I of course I hated writing that check, but then there's also like this is this is money well spent. Like I am also paying for more children in the future to read Calvin and Hobbes, but exactly. Oy. And then, like you said, it was a lesson well learned. Hopefully, <laughs> she will learn it because I uh, I remember my mom had to write a forty dollar check to the library. I don't think it was for lost items. I think it was well, it might have been for lost items, and I still keep things overdue. You know what's funny is that, so, like, we figured it out, like, two days after we left this hotel that she didn't have it with me. And this is my lovely, wonderful ADHD child, so I should not have been surprised. Again, lessons learned. But anyway, but we found out pretty quickly, and I called the uh, hotel, and I said, hey, I think we left a book, and the person checked. They're like, yeah, we have it right here. We'll send it to you. I was like, oh, awesome. Like a week or two go by, and I, I'm like, I haven't gotten it yet. So I called back, and they're like, Nope, not here. Wow. So I did feel again like me paying that somebody else was reading Calvin and Hobbes, or yeah. their kid came up to the hotel, and they're like, Here, read this book that some dummy left behind. <laughs> so I felt like I was paying it forward. <laughs> in I more think, ways yeah, in that in that instance, you are absolutely right. <laughs> Um, so with collection development, you've got books, DVD, audio, CD. Um, how does the information come to you so you even know what your choices are? Well, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to books a million and, and going up and down the, the, the aisles. Well, because we buy so far in advance. No, because <laughs> when we're buying, um, those books aren't even out yet. So really? we can't go and search, although that's a good way to go and see what you may have missed. Uh-huh. Um, we get advertised to quite often and, you know, a lot. We get emails from publishers. We get catalogs from publishers, catalogs from warehouse vendors who want all of your money. So we get a lot of stuff like that, but it's also, we go looking for things. So we go looking at places like NetGalley for um, what's coming up, who's trying to get you to read their book in advance, and Edelweiss, which is another um, place that is a clearinghouse really for publisher catalogs and just uh, information, even, you know, self indie publishers are putting their books and information out there for people to discover. We look at Amazon, we look at your website. If you're an author, we're really just out there trying to find the most things. Um, journals, so Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, Publishers Marketplace online, there's just all kinds of information out there and it's a challenge really to try and make sure you're getting a well-rounded picture of what's out there to buy. Yeah, there's so, I mean, it's it's huge. I can't even imagine. And I, I feel like you're like a library detective right now because I'm mean, <laughs> looking for, for clues. I mean, that, that sounds almost overwhelming. Well, and, and it's, a, it's, a good re- it's a good reason why we have multiple people doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I can barely keep up with my areas. So right. if I had to add like juvenile to that or, you know, nonfiction cookbooks and politics and photography oh and math, oh God, you know, yeah. something would get left behind and something yeah. still gets left behind. Well, and, and for those, I, I follow you on Twitter and how do you, how do you say your Twitter handle? I don't want to Tuflos. say it wrong. Tuflos. Well, that's how I would say it. It's for those who want to follow you. It's T-U-P-H-L-O-S. And I love your Twitter feed. And I know lots of people do because you, you talk about collection development. You talk about the things you're looking at. And you, I, 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 I've heard other people say that you, you're funny about it. And I don't always think you're funny. I think you're just like, not, 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 not that you're not, you know, funny, but you know, sometimes you're like, I don't like this cover. You know, yes. it's not, 
it's not anything funny about it. You're just like, it doesn't work for me. Or, um, you know, oh, I really like this. And, and it's just your straight up, your, how you're looking at the materials that whatever is coming across your desk that day. So I, I find that so fascinating because then it, it stops me and I look at things and I, because I think as an author, we start looking at covers one way um, and we look at it differently than maybe a reader would. And I think you're, as a librarian, I mean, are you looking at it from your librarian viewpoint? Or are you looking at it like a, a patron? Like, how do you try to approach that? It depends. And sometimes when I'm looking at it as, well, first of all, I, I should say, this is 100% my own opinion. So, okay. <laughs> and people, people know that who've been following me a long time and they are like, no, you're wrong on that cover. That cover is awesome. And I'm like, hey, that's great. I want to hear somebody's differing view so that but sometimes it's very clearly my own opinion like I hate birds on covers and I think everybody who follows me knows that I hate birds on covers and I love the color blue I think everybody who follows me knows I love the color blue on covers um, I think that's you like just a some... lot of bright colors I do honestly. and that yeah. I mean it comes through if it has bright clearly. purple or bright red you're just like yeah I'll read that I, I love it yes a lot of times, though, I'm, I'm looking at it as, is someone going to walk by and pick it up? And if they do walk by and pick it up and take it home, is it advertising what the book is? Mm. And that's really, um, that's really key, I think, because as we've already determined, there's a lot of ways people find out about books. One of the ways that people still find out is just by seeing it on a shelf. So they come to it and they pick it up and the book, you know, is full of, um, say it's got the American flag and some explosions in the background and a picture of the White House. And you're thinking that it's a, you know, political thriller or some kind of military adventure kind of book. And it turns out it's about, you know, a surgeon in North Carolina in 1875. It's like, that's not what I was promised by this cover. So the people who are looking for books about North Carolina surgeons in 1875 aren't (laughs) gonna pick it up because that's not what the cover says this book is about. And the people who do pick it up thinking it's a thriller are gonna be disappointed. So it's, it's all about trying to draw people in, but also making sure that the people who will read this book or who want to read this book can find it. Mm. Yeah, I, I bet there's a lot of, if there's authors listening to this, I bet there's a lot of them that are like, can you please go talk to my publisher <laughs> <laughs> about some of this? Because actually, I don't know if you follow her, um, Rachel Kane on I Twitter do, yes. the other day. Did you see her? She did a, a tweet, uh, thread about her her career and oh, she put yes, some yes, of her yes. early covers on there and I was glad to see that even in I don't know when that some of those early ones were done 80s 90s but she's like this was not my book <laughs> and this cover did not represent my book I'm like oh it's been a problem for ages that's good yeah there's lots of I mean I mean it, it happens across the board it happens to big name authors it happens to smaller lesser known authors it happens across the board. Um, big publishers make mistakes. It's oh. not just, I mean, there is, for a time, there were people who thought only self-published or indie published books had terrible covers. That's not, that's never been true. So it happens across the board. So I'm actually yeah. looking both at both things. I'm looking because I like art and I'm looking to, because I'm about to buy this book and I want to know if it will circulate. And one of the, ways that I, I mean, it's basically a guess, but one of the ways that I can guess is by looking at the cover and thinking about, do we have people who read science fiction books? Does this book look like a science fiction book? Or does it look like a romance? How do you know what your patrons like? I mean, uh, we mentioned Cirque's <laughs> data. Exactly. Um, and just, you're looking at your, your data. We're looking at data, we're looking, listening to um, librarians in the branch because they have these conversations with people. And 
So then we listen to them and they come back and tell us, oh, my patrons really like, you know, science fiction romance, for example. And why don't we have more of this? And so then we try to make sure, you know, it hasn't been on our radar. We've been buying historical romances. Maybe we should kind of shift our focus and look for more of these things. And we, uh, patrons can email us, they can talk to us, they can fill out surveys, um, they can fill out complaint cards, they can do all sorts of things. So we hear from them as well. I, I love that. And I, I, I really wish that message would get out there to more people. I think that because maybe they think the library is free <laughs> or, you know, it's like some, you know, librarian God on high is just like picking the books out. Cause when you were a kid, you, I mean, that was also the thing when you were a kid, you couldn't tell the school librarian what you wanted. Right. Um, you just accepted that whatever was there was what was best for you or what <coughs> someone else had approved. So um, I really just would love to get that message more out there that, Y'all need to ask. Ask your librarians. They want well, to actually, know. Well, actually, one, one of the biggest ways we hear from them is patron requests. So, yes, absolutely. Um, I get them every week, and I look, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, uh, in 2017, that was last year, 2017, <laughs> one of the recurring themes in my patron requests were lesbian romance. Oh. I just wasn't buying enough, and people weren't seeing them, and so they started asking for them. And if you see a type of request over and over again, then you should make a note of that and go looking for it before people have to ask. That's awesome. I mean, when you get requests like that, I mean, does that, I bet, I bet you just get really excited. Like, oh, I get to do so. <laughs> yes, I will do that for you. <laughs> I get excited, but I also get kind of um, sad because... Oh because you have to ask for it. And yeah. my goal is always, when you go looking for it, it should be there. I mean, it, that's like in a perfect world. Nobody is perfect, it's never gonna happen. Someone's always gonna ask for you know, the book that you didn't expect. But if they're asking over and over again for a certain type of book, then that means that you're not meeting the need in any sort of way. So I, I get excited that they ask, but I'm sad that mm. they have to ask. I see that. But, you know, one of the things I always say is you don't know what you don't know. And That's so true. I think that always also applies to awesome collection development specialists. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't. And you need to give yourself the grace to go, yeah, I didn't know that. But now I do. And now I can. I will give you that lesbian romance collection. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we will add more things. Because yeah. you don't see it. It's not something that is reviewed in the review journals. You don't see it um, in the vendor catalogs. You really It's something you really have to make an effort to go and find. Um, you had an interesting thing on Twitter recently. And I was about to, I was like, just this week. And I was about to talk to you about it on Twitter or say something. I'm like, no, I'm going to save this. So just so you know, <laughs> I was... I was like, I'm going to save this because I want to actually talk to you about it, not just tweet at you. Um, but you was, you went out, you said some stuff about like jazz and John Coltrane. And I think you must have been looking at what CDs you were buying or something. And and how you don't think that it's your job to tell people what's quote unquote best. Um, but then how do you reconcile that with the fact that you are doing the choosing for for your community? Well, because I'm choosing for an entire community. So it's not just what a self-appointed um, expert thinks it's best. People across the spectrum are out there discovering, you know, these jazz CDs. So that means, and I think Adele Buck um, on Twitter said it great. Like the experts are really the ones who are doing the deep dive they're not thinking about the novice coming mm. to it like, I've never listened to a John Coltrane in my life. I just want to pick up a CD. The one everybody mentions is this one. You know, I shouldn't have to listen to these eight other CDs before I can effectively listen to this one, you know, the, which is what the expert says. But I'm buying for the not expert too. So mm -hmm. that's why I don't really want to tell you what's best. I want to 
have options for everybody. So for the person who's never listened to jazz up to the person who, you know, may find a CD that, you know, they are an expert, but for some reason this one missed them. So they're, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing something new as well, or, you know, a new jazz artist. So you kind of have to balance because you're buying for a wide range of experiences. Mm -hmm. I really love that because, I mean, I'm just thinking about, so the last summer was my first summer. um, I left my day job last spring and I, one of the reasons was I wanted to spend a summer at home with my kids before they got too cool to spend the summer at home with me. (laughs) But we uh, got to know the library uh, even better than we already did. Um, And one of the things we really started doing was going to the DVDs. Um, Because again, I needed, I needed those DVDs. Um, But while you were just talking, I was thinking, you know, if somebody had said, no, these are the best movies for kids, and this is it, we wouldn't have gotten to explore all of the cool Japanese anime and the old classics and this and that, um, and then come up with what we did prefer and what we did like and what would keep them occupied. <laughs> right. Exactly. For um, as amount of time. I, yeah, I'm, I like a, I'm a person who likes some really bad movies. And some of these movies are my favorite movies on earth. Like Grease 2. Horrible movie. Terrible so many movie. people love that movie. Love that movie with my entire soul. I don't think I've ever seen it. The Lost Boys. Yes. Terrible movie. Horrible movie. I love that movie with everything in me. So... Yeah, I mean, you can do your do your list of the best of, and that's great. But when I'm doing collection development, I'm buying Saw, you know? I mean, <laughs> because people want to watch it. And who am I to say that's not a good enough movie for this library collection? Because it's not my library collection. It's your library collection. And if a majority of the people want to watch Saw, Saw it is. That is fantastic. <laughs> um, I don't want to, I want to make sure I mention that you won the 2016 Romance Writers of America Kathy Lynn's Librarian of the Year Award. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> that was uh, a highlight of my life. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, I think that might have been when I, I we might have talked at, at San Diego at, at some point in a line or something. Um, Cause that always is how it happens. I'm at RWA and I'm just talking to people and then I walk away and someone goes, did you know who that was? <laughs> and I swear, like, I think I walked away from you and someone's like, that's the librarian of the year. I was like, wow. <laughs> and then I felt bad. Cause I mean, I, I don't know you. I don't, there's you know. no reason why anybody should don't <laughs> feel I, bad at all. I think I took out my phone at that time and immediately went doo doo doo, click, followed you on Twitter, and then have been uh, happily following you ever since. But I just wanted you to know that I think that was so cool, and I think it's so cool that RWA celebrates librarians in the way that it does. Um, are you going to be in Denver this year? I plan to be in Denver this year. Yes. Okay. Um, it's. I think last year. I mean, it seemed like they were starting to expand the librarian day and the the um, events that they had um so i i love that they are focusing on on trying to get more librarians and 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 give y'all what you might need to justify the cost of the conference well and it's really a a you know symbiotic relationship with libraries and authors and so anytime that we all get to mix together and like at a conference or something that is fantastic because we want more, you know, books in the library and authors want more books in the library. So it's really a win-win all the way around. Authors want your circ data. I'm just telling you. <laughs> we want better circ data too. I don't think that our circ data, it doesn't tell us why. Like we get great circ data and we're like, yay. But then we want to know more. Because that's yeah. what data does. It leads to wanting to know more data. And so we want to know why. Why this one and not that one? Mm-hmm. And we make all kinds of extrapolations. And some are wildly wrong. <laughs> and some are, you know, on point or accurate. And 
we just we want to know more. We want to know why. We want to know why this one. Why not that one? Is it the author? Is it you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it the cover? Did y'all just put it on a convenient shelf? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This one was it's on the bottom, on t- but this one was on the top. And yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I, that's almost like a business idea for someone who is not Amazon <laughs> to somehow try to come up with, I don't know, some way to, to get that feedback from libraries. I think that, you know, people, what's the, oh God, I'm having a brain fart. Um, the distribution, the digital distribution service. Oh, Overdrive. Overdrive. I was, I was trying to say Overnote and I'm like, no, that's, I was getting one note and Overdrive. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Overdrive, that'd be something that I wonder if if they're looking into. But anyway, um, since you got that award, are, are you pigeonholed as a romance librarian now? I mean, I know you do all this other stuff. Uh-oh. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I think even if I were, I might be okay with that. Yeah. But I, I do, I talk a lot about books. I talk a lot about romance books, A, because I love them, and B, because there's a lot of them published every year compared to, say, science fiction books. So there's the sheer volume of how many there are makes it seem like I talk disproportionately about romance. Mm. But I may also talk disproportionately about romance because I love it. <laughs> so it could be either or. So I don't know. People do ask me a lot of romance questions where they don't ask me a lot of science fiction, fantasy, or mystery questions. So mm-hmm. possibly... But I'd be okay um, with that. Yeah. Well, it might be just because we're all chatty, you know? Yes. <laughs> all the romance, all the other romance lovers want to talk about it, too. I don't know. Um, I don't have that uh, a good viewpoint of all the science fiction authors, if they're I as chatty as we are. I think science fiction and fantasy authors are also super chatty, at least on okay. Twitter. Um, mystery authors are less so. You know what? So I also write mystery, and I keep thinking, like, oh, I need to get more into the mystery side of the publishing world and it's it's a lot harder i mean it people is. aren't aren't like hey come join our cocktail party exactly. it's it's very like here's my book i've been it. i've been to a couple bowser cons and i really liked it it was fun but it's not the same kind of you know warm embrace that romance conferences are that's interesting. I've had Bowser Khan on my, my list. I'm on the new mailing list and I keep thinking like, I'm, I'm going to go one day. It's just that, you know, when I've got budgetary concerns, if it's between RWA and Bowser Khan, I mean, right now it's, it's right. RWA. So, oh, my um, very first so, Bowser Khan was in Anchorage, Alaska, which was reason <gasps> enough to go <laughs> Yeah, for that. I mean, that was, that was awesome. That's the first and only time I've been to Alaska and it was for a conference and, you know, there are lots of authors and readers, and it was it was pretty awesome. That is interesting. I hadn't heard about that. Um, yeah, you always want to go to the cool places. You don't exactly. Want to go to like, exactly. I don't know. Wichita. Nothing <laughs> against Wichita, but I live in Dallas, so it can't be that different. Um, yeah, I'd like a, a, a beach or... Or, a, or something. A, something cool. Yeah, or iceberg. I don't know something. I, I do something I don't normally get to see. Exactly. Um, with, since you have such a, you're looking in the future. I mean, you basically have a crystal ball. You're looking in the future at what's coming out. You people tell you what's coming out. Do you think that you can spot trends? Are you Robin the the book psychic? <laughs> no, because the trend <laughs> the trends start with what. People are, uh, publishers are buying. So I, I don't have that kind of insider information. I can guess trends by what I'm seeing. So we're kind of in the middle. So mm-hmm. we're um, buying things before they actually hit the market. So we don't know, you know what the reaction will be because we're buying it way before that. Like I'm buying right now books up through the end of June. So we're kind of ahead of that but we're not so far ahead you know on the where publishers mm-hmm. are acquiring so we're yeah. not seeing that far ahead yeah. so we're kind of in the middle of the cycle well again i bet some publishers would want to know 
if all of a sudden you're getting a huge bunch of requests for yes. like science fiction romance, I bet they would be like, yes, please let us know. Well, and that's, that's why I, I um, keep saying when people ask me what trend do I see, I think less sex in contemporary romance. Like that's the trend that I'm seeing from my spot on the spectrum. Like people are wanting more closed doors in contemporary Hmm. romance not necessarily a lack of sex so you and actually you have a spectrum so you have people who want you know no sex at all but not religious and then you have people who want you know tastefully done sex scenes that move the story forward but not sex you know every other chapter so Mm -hmm. there's but the consensus is we want to see less sex in contemporary romance. That when is people a big ask trend. Me, I'm like, this is what I think is the next trend. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I think I I think I would agree with you just because cycles are cycles for a yep. reason. And we have pushed and pushed and pushed you know, pretty pretty damn far <laughs> well, the people... on the sexiness slide or sexiness scale and um or sexiness slide i don't know um <laughs> and and so if you push that far you know things are going to come back and right and so um and i'm but... on the other end of the scale so i'm like yes erotic romance i love you um so but that's always going to be there because yeah. that door has been open now and it's not going to shut again. It's not going to shut. If so it was ever gonna shut. So now you're going to have that ever. and the other side. Right. Which is, which is just... great. There's balance in the force. That's and giving everybody for. what they want. And and yes. that's that's what your goal is. You yes. want to just make everyone happy. Exactly. Um, so, you know, There's I love that. There's something for everyone. Oh, Yes. And you and and going along with that, you've also you know because of that, you are also an advocate for diversity in books and authors and subject matter and sexual. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that just brings me back to what I was saying before, which is you know people don't know what they don't know until they might know. You know, it's it's they don't know it until they can ask for it, and you can say yes, we have that. Um, and so I don't know. So I guess going back to like, how do people in like, I'm just gonna say Indiana, isn't that, is that where you're from? I'm from Illinois, or... but I spent Illinois. a long okay. time in Indiana. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I was watching Parks and Rec the other day. I was just thinking Indiana, <laughs> Indiana library. So there's someone in an Indiana library someplace who has always read whatever they've told her to read and she loves it. You know, she has no problem with it. And, and it's not that she doesn't, you know, she has any problems with anything, but how does she, how does a reader know what else is out there that they might like? Um, what kind of sources would they go to, or you know, if they want to start exploring um, um, these kinds of things? Well, there's lots of this is kind of why librarians need to be um, need to read diversely mm-hmm. and widely. Because people are coming to them, not necessarily as experts, but as someone who sees a great amount of books and is then passing that information on to others or making book lists or bookmarks or doing displays. And if you only know about one kind of book, then your display will be about that kind of book. And you're not helping anybody, you know, get a wider feel of what's out there. We can't rely on patrons to, you know, be as dependent on, you know, websites or it's not like they're reading Publishers Weekly every week and then going to author websites and seeing what's new. And some of them are, because some of them are book addicts like the rest of us, and they're going to you know, sites like Heroes and Heartbreakers when it was there, or Criminal Element for mystery readers, and they're, you know, seeing a wide variety of things. Sometimes people come to the library and that's where they see a wide variety of things. Right. So then it's our job to give them 
a wide variety of things. Otherwise, they're never going to see anything different because they get stuck in ruts too. Yeah. So they, you know, read all the Sue Grafton's and now Sue Grafton is gone. What do I do? Right. And I think that's kind of where I was getting to it. You touched on it briefly was that, you know, I as an author, as a book podcaster, you as a librarian, we're on book Twitter. We get into these discussions. We see the discussions. We can read the articles about, you know, diverse voices, about LGBT representation, about uh, authors of color. And we know those issues and we have those discussions in our own little circles. But, you know, you and I both know lots of readers that aren't that aren't in those discussions and 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 who would be totally open to just they just want a good book they don't you know necessarily care about politics and represent you know maybe or maybe they do but um you know and just you know how we reach out so i mean i guess what the really key is 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 having librarians who are trained in this stuff and who are diverse readers themselves to start opening those doors and to and to integrate all the things that we do to get people to read books. So mm-hmm. if if you're doing a display on something and your your display is not diverse at all, you need to think about that because mm-hmm. there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And if and if it isn't, that's one opportunity people aren't getting to see that these books exist. You can integrate, you know, people of color, LGBT books anywhere into any list. It doesn't have to be, you know, just for whatever Pride Month or History Month it that's coming up and then you forget about them the other 11 months of the year, but you can put them on your romantic suspense book list. There's plenty of LGBT romantic suspense or people of color writing romantic suspense. You can put them Mm -hmm. on a list today and you can put them on a list in October or July. You don't have to wait till February when it's African-American. You don't have to. And I thought we could only do that in February. See, a lot of people (laughs) think that's true. It's not true. So that's, you know, that's something that we can do all the time. And that's the shortest month of the year. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) My dad likes to tell me he remembers when it was Negro History Week. Wow. So there you go. You get you get a you get a week. You get a week. Oh, well. (laughs) I think it speaks for itself. I don't need to comment on that. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, there's lots of things that we could be doing and we should be doing to mm-hmm. just to make everyone aware that these books aren't, you know, just for the people writing them. Like everybody can read Alicia Rye. You don't have to be an Indian American. Everybody can do it. No, <laughs> I do. I do. You know, Me? and she is, well, and, and she is one of the people that like, has been most often recommended on yes. this podcast. And when I go out and, and, and I mean, it's all different people. So why wouldn't you listen to your fellow readers and read this stuff that we are telling you to read? Because her books are amazing. Yes. And she should be on, She's you know, any kind of book list, contemporary romance, um, family saga, family feud, any kind of erotic romance, any kind of, book list that you're making that you're tempted to just put white straight authors on don't do it right because there's other people out there writing the same thing that you could equally promote on a list or a a display and we were we're going to make sure that people do that and when i I'm going to do it now with my podcast and when i win the lottery and get 10 million (laughs) dollars I'm going to have a big grant party <laughs> nice. and say, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I've always, uh, I had Kate Claiborne on uh, an earlier podcast and her book uh, was about 
it, her series is about three friends who win the lottery. And so we were talking about, you know, I asked her, I'm like, well, what would you do if you won the lottery? And ever since then, I've been thinking, I'm like, oh, what would I do? I would have a scholarship and I would like, and then like I was thinking about libraries and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I would have grants and, and say, you can come and have all this money, but you have to buy off my list. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I'm not Robin Bradford, and I am going to tell you what the best is. She will restrain herself. I will not. So, as your personal opinion, I do want to talk to you about the books you like, and in your personal capacity as Robin Bradford, can would that be okay sure. if I do that? Okay, you're not like going to get in trouble from. Oh no, no, I always talk about books I like. Librarian, happy to president. Do it. Okay, um, so was there a book that was formative or changed your life? Gosh, I read so many books as a kid that I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, and, and the fact that I can't think of one leads me to think no, but that can't be true. So maybe there's a lot of them that have changed me in little ways. I love that. Well, it's like you had a tidal wave and you can't pick out like a teaspoon of water in the tidal wave. The whole time. Right. Wave I mean, there's just so many, you. like um, Iggy's house, which was the first time I, if I, let me make sure that I'm getting my Judy Blooms correct. But I think that's the first time that I really read about black people in books that wow. were fiction. So there's that um and then you know the rest of the judy blooms <laughs> followed i know after again that. It, it kind of it's a it's a wave though i mean you just know you knew that that was a safe place to go i mean for me anyway there were those authors yes. that you could go to and and escape and entertain you know your... beverly cleary <sighs> um just so many Books that starting, you know, way back in first, second grade. When people ask you for recommendations, is there someone, an author or one book that you always start off with that you always recommend? No, because it, it really, when the people are asking for recommendations, it's really more important. That I The first question I always ask is, what kind of things do you like? Because that's really, you know, what's most important. If I recommend Alicia Rye and they're like, I really don't like to see sex on the page. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's not going to work for you. So it's really about what kinds of things the person asking is likes. And then I work from there. That's like a superpower, though. I mean, I could come to you and I say, I like X. And you could be like, here's Y and Z. Or yes. I like A. And you could say, here's B and C. That's and really, the thing is, try these things and tell me if you like them. And especially tell me if you hate them. Because then <laughs> we know. And then why? Like, why did you not like that? Did you not like it because, you know, it was set in a city you live in and you thought they got it completely wrong? That's different than I don't like the characters. Maybe there's a lot of lawyers that say they can't watch um, TV shows about the law. Me, me. See? I can't. <laughs> no. That has nothing to do with the characters or anything else about the book. It's just like, no, that, that gets under my skin. I can't do it. Oh, my gosh. My oldest daughter started watching... Um drop dead diva on uh -huh. netflix yeah and so you know I'm, I'm watching it with her just to make sure it's appropriate and i swear one day like they're lawyers and some a client comes in says here's my issue the same day they had a hearing in front of the judge for like motion for summary judgment and then they were in negotiations that night and they never even changed their clothes <laughs> And I'm sorry for all the non-lawyers out there, but like, no, no, you do not get a case settled in a day. And if you have to go to the judge, I mean, I guess you could have a case settled in one day, but no, you don't go in front of the judge and then like have all these long, it, it was just, See, and I'm and, feeling the creepiness up my back going, ah, and, but it and was the, appropriate me, for the her. the person so okay. who's never practiced, I'm reading this book and I'm watching this show and I'm like, this is fantastic. And you, you're like, oh my God, I can't. 
And that's, <laughs> that's, the diff- that's why when people ask me, if they ask me what books do I like, I will tell them. That doesn't mean they're going to work for you. And it could be for some issue as small as that, which mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the characters, the setting, anything about the book. It's just that I can't, I can't suspend disbelief in a field that I know. Right. And and if that author heard that feedback, like if I gave that, you know, let's just say the Drop Dead Diva was a book and I was like one star, completely unrealistic, um, you know, and just ended it there, that author would be like, what? I, you know, da, 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 you know I, that was a really good book. And then if you can explain, no, it's because, you know, I did motion practice for 10 years and I was a trial, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, they'd be like, oh, okay, I, I can see that. So right. that again is... But and, where your training you know, as a librarian comes in, that you one, can see that difference. And other, you know, 900 other people love that book and don't care because they're not lawyers. They are reading it for the characters. They want to see if these two finally get together. Like, they don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we try to make people understand. It's like, just because someone likes a book or doesn't like a book based on this one issue doesn't mean that other people over here don't love it or that it shouldn't be out in the world or that it shouldn't be out in the world you know (laughs) making these people extremely happy yeah although that can be a slippery slope but we don't want to like everything books (laughs) like everything else books that i've been telling everybody that i love okay um, yeah let's do that that. hate to want you um alicia rye series Yes. Um, I tell everybody on earth to read Hothead by Damon Swade. And there's, again, a lot of people aren't going to read Male Male Romance. And I'm like, you're missing out because that book's fantastic. Um, I haven't read it. I have to confess. I haven't read it yet, but I want to because his voice is just so strong in person. Is it, I mean, I imagine it's that way in the book as that well. That book is tremendous. I mean, if that's going to go on my life, Changer's book list. Oh, really? So that book is... That, yeah. Okay. Um, Priscilla Oliveris, I'm telling everybody to read Her Perfect Affair, which comes out this spring. I absolutely okay. love this book. I read it in one sitting. It is super fantastic. I told everybody to read His Perfect Partner, too, which came out in the fall, but I like book two even more than book okay. one. I want to say I have book one already. And it but is. I'm not sure. And it's everything I can do not to just stop right now and be like, oh, I look this up and buy it. Okay. I'm, I'm making notes, though. <laughs> Someone was asking um, on Twitter for a new fantasy series. And I was like, you have to read The Lightbringer Saga by Brent Weeks. That book, though, those books, I think we're up to five now. Fantastic. Like, um, See, that's my prediction for 2018 is fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy, fantasy romance. I, I just feel like with the Game of Thrones, people are going to be like itching. You know, that game, that's not coming back until 2019. I feel like people are going to be like, I want, I want a dragon. Well, I want, <laughs> the good I want thing something. is there's tons of fantasy series out there. Like fantasy has never waned. It's been, you know, strong with very long series and books. So there's plenty out there for people. Okay. okay. And it's still it's still coming out. Um speaking of fantasy romance, and I just tweeted about um this the other day. Um Song of Blood and Stone by L. Penelope. So fantasy romance. Fantastic okay. book. Um, I love those it, titles. I love those fantasy titles. It came out as, so dramatic as a indie book, and it has been picked up by a big five publisher. So it's being um, released May first. So fantastic book. Um, I'm hugely into romantic suspense. So Rebecca Weatherspoon has a, a series called Beards and Bondage, which is fantastic um, romantic suspense. Another great title and great covers. Yes. So lots of lots of things that I'm telling people about. Alyssa Cole, of course, her Civil War series. Love it. Uh, I think she's, she's going to be joining us on the podcast soon. We don't have a date yet, but 
and her a princess in theory which you know everybody's talking about the royals right now so i have that one to read on my pile yeah how do you handle your tbr pile (laughs) (laughs) okay so i asked this because i'm actually looking for advice because um i I I had said yeah okay um i was i I spent some time over the holidays. I don't know what I was looking for on my Kindle, but I started flipping through. I was like, damn, I've got some really good books on here that I haven't read. And when am I going to just say enough? I'm reading my TBR pile. But then the problem is I have this podcast and I have people like you come on (laughs) and say this, this, this is. And so I'm like already just one clicking all of these things that you're telling me. So yeah, (laughs) I imagine it's even worse for you. Oh, it's terrible because I have access to so many arcs. And I get them, and I love them, and I want to read them, and they start to pile up. Yeah, there's, yeah. Do you do audiobooks? I do. That's one thing I haven't completely uh, explored yet. I just started this fall, but it was like with really big um, nonfiction books, But so I haven't really started with fiction. And, and I keep thinking maybe that's my secret. Maybe because then I can multitask, you know. Yeah. I can read and walk or read and drive a car. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of still hit or miss with audiobooks. Um, some I really, really like. Some I fade out on. Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on the book and the reader. Mm. Um, but yes, I do audiobooks and that is a help because I can do them sitting in my office at work. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to need to wrap this up, unfortunately, but I've got the lightning round questions for you. Awesome. If you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk. Coffee or tea? Yes. <laughs> I love it. That's me. <laughs> I put green tea droplets in my coffee the other day because <laughs> someone told me those were really healthy for me. And of course, it's New Year, so I go and buy like this green tea concentrate. And I put it in. I'm like, I wish I could do this with all the things. I just put it all together. So healthy. I'm sorry. All right. When your phone rings, do you answer it? Depends on who it is. Okay. How do you normally waste time on the internet? Twitter. On your next vacation, would you pick mountains or the beach? The beach. Do you call it soda or pop? Or something else? Both, actually. (laughs) Like, I've grown up saying pop, and then I moved to Indiana, and they say soda, or in Indianapolis, they say soda there. So then, you know, after 14 years of living there, it's kind of both. So it was pop in Illinois. It was pop in Illinois, uh, northern Illinois. See, this kind of stuff. I love those like language maps where they show you like across the United States, the different words for like the grocery cart or buggy or, you know, and this is one of those soda or pop because people look at me sometimes and they're like, well, it's only called one thing. I'm like, "Ah, no, no. no." Robin is one of those people who can call your your bilingual in the <laughs> carbonated when it comes to beverage. Carbonated drinks, yes, I am bilingual. Um, all right, on a cover, what do you prefer? Abs, forearms, or the chiseled jaw? Oh. I'm a huge fan of forearms, but the chiseled jaw is probably a very strong second. Mm. So we're over the abs. We're over the abs. The oiled abs. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, unless they're like in real life. I'm just saying. Which okay. is not on the cover. Yeah, if yeah. Artie standing in front of me, then I'm, yes, we're back to. I will, yes, we will appreciate that. Are you more likely to buy a cover with, okay, and here we go. Are you more likely to buy a cover with abs or a beach scene? Oh, interesting. Probably the beach scene if it's not terribly photoshopped and awful so probably the beach scene i do love those beach beach covers i i 
Just like looking at them. I yes. <laughs> and dreaming. Like, I wish I was there. Yeah. With my perfectly manicured toes and my <laughs> drinks. And there's no loud music coming right. around. Yeah. It's all those. It's the fantasy of it. That's a, I mean, that's a fantasy, right? It's, exactly. Women have these fantasies and the books covers are supposed to give it to them. All right. So the very important last question is, what are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? I have no problem with it. Interesting. Uh, there are some times in a book where I have done that just to see if the character I'm concerned about lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I have no problem with it. I'm also, though, the person who doesn't care about spoilers. And I, I think this comes from living on the Pacific Coast where you're three hours behind everything. If, oh. if you are, you know, allergic to spoilers, you might as well just quit the internet because you're behind. And why should people That's stop true. talking about things just because you haven't had a chance to see it yet? It's not their fault. Let them have, you know, their enjoyment. And if you see a spoiler, then life goes on. So that is so true. I feel like if people want to know if it's the anxiety of whether their favorite character makes it to the end of the book is going to ruin the rest of the book. Let them look. <laughs> I like it. No. And it's also, um, you know, as a librarian, you need to know these facts. Yes. <laughs> you need to know these data. But I like that about the spoilers on the Pacific coast. Cause I never thought about that before. All those times I was live tweeting scandal and. <laughs> well, and, stuff. and, and really Twitter has brought this community of TV watchers together, which is fantastic. And I mean, your choices are you can mute everybody who might be watching. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Or you can get off the internet, which, you know, is you controlling what you see and not trying to control what everyone else talks about. Or you can live with spoilers. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I could keep talking to you about all this for so long because you are a smart, wonderful lady and oh, and now you've just given me something else to like obsess about next time I'm on Twitter but we'll continue <laughs> the conversation there and thank you so much for coming today this thank was a great you. conversation this was great and um, I love talking about books with librarians it's oh, the best thank you <laughs> thanks Robin thank you for joining us today if you like this podcast please go to iTunes subscribe and leave a review and if you want to share your love of a book with the world you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment or this is the fun part I have an actual phone number in our show notes call leave a message about a book that you love and you want the world to know about and I'll try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast which after all is all about reading and readers this is Lindsay Emery on women with books keep reading <laughs>